It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter is asleep. Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scar. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sundays come. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary. His blood dripping. His body stumbling. And his spirit's burdened. But you see, it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning. And evil's grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raised him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know. It's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross, feeling forsaken by his father, left alone and dying. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday, but Sunday's come. It's Friday, the earth trembles, the sky grows dark, my king yields his spirit. It's Friday, hope is lost, death has won, sin has conquered, and Satan's just a laughing. It's Friday, Jesus is buried, a soldier stands God, and a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It is only Friday. Sunday is a coming. Let me just say this. It was Friday, and Sunday is here. Amen? Amen. I mean, Sunday's here. Praise God. Here, this is, the, this is the message that we live for. This is the day we should be waking up and just going, this is the day of all the things of this world that you can put your hope to. This is it. Praise God that we don't have to be on just this side of Friday 
we have Easter. Amen? Praise God. For the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the good news, the gospel message. And in many ways, we've only been doing half of it. We've been talking about the cross, why the cross, all of this. And if you just kind of left there, you kind of get your mouth half full of the taste. You haven't swallowed, digested the goodness of what you need. Some people just live on that side of Friday. There is hope. Sunday morning, Mary, the two Marys got up, they went, they took spices. The tomb is empty. They were scared. They met an angel. What did the angel say? Does anybody remember? He is not here. He is risen. Amen? He's risen indeed. And of all the days you can celebrate, you celebrate one day. For me, when it's my birthday, I celebrate my birthday. It's my birthday. Okay, November 7th, there it is. Okay, I'm another day, another year, another second older. Okay, that's the way it is. For my kids, I try to celebrate their birthdays. It's the second day of your birthday. It's the third day of your birthday. We have leftover cake. Let's eat it, right? Christmas, we celebrate one day. But listen to this. Easter is the day that you can celebrate every day you're alive. Amen? And in many ways, when you wake, think of Good Friday and Easter every day. It is so good. And this morning, we want to praise God for this glorious day. In fact, open your Bibles to 1 Peter. If you don't have a Bible, I have two Bibles back there. And I've got two up here, and I've even tabbed where we're going to look today. So if you don't have a Bible, just put up your hand. There's two, uh, there's two Bibles back there. If you don't have a Bible, just put up your hand. My wife can give you a Bible. It's good to have a Bible. First Peter chapter 1. He is not risen. Some people would say, some people would say that he's not alive. Oh, some people think that we're going to look at what the Word says. 1 Peter chapter 1. I love this section of Scripture. There is so much here. In fact, what I want to do each week is I want to give our church a verse to memorize. Every week we're just going to memorize a verse. This week, it's 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It's a very simple verse. There's so much weight, so much beauty in just this one verse. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Even look ahead a little bit and into inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept for us in heaven. And it goes on. But we want to just look at this first verse. It begins with this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise Him. Why? Why would we praise the Lord? When this was written, this is written to people who are struggling. This is written in times where there was persecution, suffering. Has anybody seen the movie Gladiator that came out years ago? They were living in this time. Nero was taking people and throwing Christians to the lions. They were suffering. People were mocking Christians, killing them, and this letter was written to them. He begins with kind of an introduction to who it's for, and his first words here are, praise be 
to God. If you have hope or don't have hope, there's a reason to praise God. Well, why would we praise God? Why would we be excited for today? Well, let's take a look at some of the things that we have written here. Praise be to the God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy. See, God is a God of mercy. Here's the thing. You've heard me say this before a couple times the last couple weeks. God is just. He is just. And in his justice, he would be right to condemn us forever. But in his great love, his great mercy, he is full of mercy and compassion. It's because of his great love we have a day like today. It's not because of what we have done, not because we're good looking or we've dressed up to appease him to say, God, look at us, we're going to celebrate you. It's not because of that. It's in his great mercy. God is a God of mercy and greatness. If you would turn in your Bibles to a passage that is so good, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. talked about how the Lord has come to rescue us. He is the one that initiates. He is the Savior. There are so many great passages about this. Great message. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 14. This is why we praise Him. This is the greatness of why we have today. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting man's sin against them. We talked about that a few weeks ago. It's not that our sins are against us, now they're put on Christ. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. Verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. In verse 21, God made him, who is Christ, made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Praise God! Go back to 1 Peter. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, that's one reason why we praise God. It's because of his great mercy. We thank God for the mercy given to us. 
the next part. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. And that's the good news of Easter. We are anew. This morning, I went to the hospital to visit Pat Kennedy. If her health was strong enough, she was supposed to have heart surgery this morning. What a day to have heart surgery, Easter. I saw her, I was with Autumn. And here's a woman who's very old and frail. And I said, oh, tomorrow, she said, tomorrow I'm getting my heart surgery. I, went, I said, wouldn't it be great to have a new heart put in? She just was like, oh, can you imagine if she got a new young heart put in? She could just go on and go on. Do you know what? Modern medicine sometimes can do that, but with her they're unable to. All they can do is tomorrow is maybe kind of reroute some, some arteries, do what they can, put a stint in, just patch it up. Listen to this. Most religions are all about this because they're on this side of Good Friday. Most religions are all about patching things up, doing things to make you look good, behavior modification. That is not the way Christianity is. Listen to this. This word, this good message is not this. It's not on this side saying, we want to take bad people and make them good. Get this in you. Christianity, the message of the cross, is not about taking bad people and making them good. It's not about that. It's about this, taking dead people and making them alive. Do you catch that? Amen. It's not about just becoming, oh, I'm bad, I've done some bad things. Oh, I'll get rid of that, I'm not going to smoke and chew and do all that. I'm I'm not watching. No, it's not about that. It's taking dead people and bringing them alive. Amen. Because I've been dead in my sins. I was lost. If it wasn't for him, I'd be dead right now. But I have life. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he is what? Take a look at this. In his great mercy, he is what? He's given us new birth. We are alive. Modern medicine just patches people up. And we pray for Pat. We pray that she'll just continue on. Pray that she'll continue with her witness to her family. But that's not the way the Word of God works. He brings us anew. The gospel message is not about just patching you up. It's the conversion of our life to love and serve God. It's making sinners new creations, completely changing their lives. And that's where we get this word, born again. America really kind of scratched their head when Jimmy Carter came out and said, I'm born again. And a lot of people are like, born again? What does that mean? That's when that phrase really got popular in America. Born again? All the news people are like, what does that mean? I was once dead, but now I'm alive. Praise God. We thank God for the new life. And the third thing, look at this. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into. It's not just new birth and like, oh, there you are, baby, live. It's new birth into a living hope. We have hope. And let me just say this. When you hear the word hope, most of you think of the way we understand hope. Our understanding of the word hope has implicit 
doubt. I hope when I get my fishing license this week that I can go fishing and catch a lot of fish. How many of you have ever gone fishing and never caught a fish? I'm going to raise my hand. It's happened. Oh, I'm kind of that kind of a fisherman. I hope I catch a lot of fish. I hope. I notice Washington's a, a state of hope, especially with their football team. Years ago, they were looking for a coach, and they saw the greatest team, the Packers. <clears throat> they had a great coach. They're like, let's hire that guy, Mike, and bring him over here. We hope he can do it. <laughs> hope has implicit doubt, because did he do it? Did that, it didn't happen. Well, don't worry. Washington's a state of hope. They're getting a new quarterback. Well, imagine that from that same football team, the Packers. <laughs> There's hope. There's hope, but it has implicit doubt. Some of you have hope, but you always have this like, oh, maybe. Some of you have hope in your retirement. <laughs> Some of you realize, okay, pitch that idea. Some of you hope in, in your financial security. Some of you hope in your marriage. Some of you hope in all these things. Our hope, our term hope, has that little hint of, well, maybe it will happen. But when you read the word hope in Scripture, it does not have that connotation. The English word for hope is not the biblical word for hope. Get that? The English word for hope that has implicit doubt is not the biblical concept of hope. The wisdom of this world has no true hope. Our hope is alive. Our hope is guaranteed. When you read the word hope in Scripture, it's not just like, oh, maybe it's guaranteed. Let's look ahead here quick. It says, in his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. It's guaranteed. So when you read the word hope, it is for sure. It's going to happen. That's the kind of hope we have. This past week, or two weeks ago, we went to Seattle. And whenever we see homeless people, we're not the kind of people that just hand out money, because I'm not sure where that money ends up going. So I saw this guy. We didn't have any food. Usually we have, like, nutty bars full of, like, bird seed that my wife likes to eat and stuff. I just, mm. And we try to open it up and give it to them, because if we don't open it, sometimes they'll try to resell it or take it back to the store. So we open it up, and here, we didn't have anything, so... I was like, hey, we went up to this guy, started talking to him, said, hey, are you hungry? He's like, yeah. I said, um, there was a McDonald's. Okay, great. Well, let, let's get you some food. So I said, we'll be right back. And he kind of was like, he had the hope, like, yeah, he may not come back. So I went. I left him. And, and I got a cheeseburger. No, we got a fish sandwich. He requested a fish sandwich. So I got two of them because I saw another homeless guy. So I went out to the first homeless guy. I said, here you go. And his hope was answered. He was like, this is for real. Then I said, hey, I'm a pastor. Can I pray for you? He's like, you're a pastor? I'm like, yeah. Pastor should be coming here feeding you all the time. What's going on here in Seattle? He's like, well, he goes, well, I got a request that uh, you, you probably won't pray for it. And he just laughed. He goes, what I really want is I want to win the lottery. <laughs> And I just laughed with him because he started laughing. 
He kept, he wanted hope. He's hoping I come back for food. I brought food. He's like, okay, maybe I'll. Hope. Here's the kind of hope the Bible is it's guaranteed, even when we don't realize it. Guess what happened to the second homeless guy? I didn't even talk to him. We saw one homeless guy. I said, I'm going to get you a fish sandwich. I saw the next guy who was right by McDonald's. I'm getting him one too. One in there. And as I was purchasing the two sandwiches with my daughter, my family was eating. I went in there. The second homeless guy walks in, and the manager store goes, Get out of here. You know you can't be in here. And I looked up. My chest kind of went out like this. I said, Hey, he's with me. This sandwich is for him. And he was like, What? That's what Christ does. We who are dead in sin, who do not deserve it, without us knowing, Christ says, hey, he belongs to me. His righteousness takes us in. And we stand there going, but I didn't even ask. I didn't even do. Isn't that wonderful? And that guy was like, oh, yeah. We got him a coffee. And he was like, oh, yeah. He said outside, he was, I can go in because I got a sandwich. Kind of an attitude. And here's the good message. All the other religions have no hope because they keep trying to do it. This side of Easter says this. Even as Christians, you cannot do it. Your hope is not based upon something you do. It's all on the work of Christ. Amen? Our hope is alive. Our hope is in His great mercy. New birth. We have hope. The hope around us today and on the streets is in vain. Many put their hope in things that are not certain. Our hope is not in something dead. It's something alive and living. And life flows from this new birth. Because I like how it's penned out. It says, in his great mercy, he's given us new birth, and this birth grows into hope. We have hope. And our hope is an assurance not based on our present situation. Pat in the hospital has hope. Not based on, our present situa- on her situation. It's on Christ. Just last week in Wisconsin, I had a friend pass away. He was an older gentleman. He had, I don't know how many great-grandchildren. That's my prayer. When I met him and got to know his family, I just went, Lord, let me have many great-grandchildren. Fritz was very old when he passed away. I met him a few months before ago when I was in Wisconsin, and he had hope. In fact, the newspaper interviewed him, and he knew he wasn't going to have another year to live, but his hope was in Christ. It was in Christ. Why are we joyful today? His mercy. We have new birth. And we have hope. We praise God for that. Amen? But what is this all based on? Is this just something that we just conjure up and go, oh, this is what we... What is this based on? Oh. We thank God for the hope he's given us, but it's based upon something. Take a look at the rest of the verse. Praise be to the... God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through, and here it is, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Why do we get this? It's all because of his 
life, death, and life again. He's alive again. It's not just the cross. Every time in Scripture when you read about the cross, except through the passion passages, think of the cross and resurrection. I can't wait for someone to come up with a necklace, not just with a cross, but also like a little rock hanging off the tomb. Because the cross is all about, he's also alive. Whenever they talk about, in the scripture about the cross, it's also the death and resurrection. You have to have both. It's not just one. Some of you, I emailed this to you this week. On the final week of Christ, look at the four Gospels, how much energy was put into just the last week of Christ. Matthew, 33%. Mark, 37%. Luke, 25% of Luke is all about the last week of Christ. John, 42% of what he wrote was all about the last final week of Christ. In Acts and the first Christian missionaries, all they preached about was the death and resurrection of Christ. It was near to their heart, and the message of the last few weeks of Christ was the most important theme in Scripture. Go again to 1 Corinthians. It's a passage we looked at a few weeks ago. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, starting with verse 1. This is it. This is the core thing. Of all the things you should be about, this is it. What's the most important thing about your life? What are you passionate about? You can be passionate about many things, but this should be the number one thing. Remember we were talking about that? Listen to this again. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preach to you, which you have received and on which you take your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. And here it is, verse 3. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance. This is the number one thing. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Verse 4, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And he appeared to Peter the twelve according. This is it. This is our life. We have hope. We have new life. We praise him. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have all of this because he rose from the dead. And that's why we are different. Confucius, he died and was buried and rotted away. Buddha died. Muhammad Apparently his body was cut up and spread all around. All religions, their leader, have died and have come to an end. You know, there's no Easter in Hinduism, no Easter in Buddhism, or the Baha'i faith, or even in Judaism. We are the only ones that have Easter. Why? Because he's alive! Amen! He is alive. We serve a risen Savior. He's alive. One of the first mission trips that I went to was the second one I went to. I went to England in Scotland. And we were walking around. We had a day off. We went to the Abbey. It's kind of the famous place where the famous people get married and also buried. We went to this huge hallway where literally famous people were all in the ground and in the walls. It was kind of creepy. And I, has anybody ever heard about the Abbey or been to the Abbey? And I literally was walking, and there I stood right next to William Shakespeare, 
buried here. Here lies William Shakespeare. And all these famous people, people I didn't know, I'm like, who's that? I don't know who that is. But certain names like, oh, I know that name. David Livingston, it was kind of cool that he's buried there. But it said, there's a little note saying, etched into the stone, his heart's not buried here. He's a famous missionary in Africa. Has anybody heard of him? His heart's not buried here. They left that and buried it in Africa. And I was like, cool. All these people buried here lies. But we don't have that, do we? Where Christ was, he rose again. He is alive. And that is how we rejoice. Praise God. Praise be to the God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Easter is so great because it's the redemptive act by which God brings us to himself. The purpose of the resurrection is this. It proclaims that he is Christ in many ways. Romans chapter 1 says that. He is Christ. It gives us hope. He lives and reigns today, and that is our hope. It gives us an inheritance. We have an empty tomb. If you're still at 1 Corinthians 15, look at verse 17. This is, I remember as a little kid reading this verse and just going, what? What? And that's why I was like, why don't we just have a cross? Why don't we have a cross with a rock hanging off it? Because I was always ingrained, it's the cross, it's the cross, it's the cross. But when the New Testament writers, when they talked about the cross, they talked about the death and resurrection. I was always pumped about the cross, but never thought about the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. It's done. It's rubbish. It doesn't even count. He's alive. Without the resurrection, Christianity, close the book. That's how bold it is. Today is our day. Today is our day to rejoice in the resurrection of Christ. But let me ask you this. Which side of this story do you live on? Are you on this side of Good Friday going, oh, I put my hope in things, I keep trying, it just doesn't work out. It's Friday, but oh, Sunday's coming, I just, I don't get it, I just, oh, someday I'll get it. Someday I'll win that lottery. Or are you on this side of Good Friday where you just go, praise God. It's all about him, not me. Are you on this side of Good Friday still in bondage? Still working out your faith to the point where you say, God, i got to do this just so you can see me and I'll be good enough. Or are you on this side saying, I take my chains, I give them to you. I consider them rubbish. All that stuff I consider loss. I might gain Christ and be found in him. This is what Easter's about. Standing on this side of Easter saying, there's life in him. And we rejoice. So which side are you on? Think about it. If you're on this side of Good Friday, what is your hope in? Do you sit around all day like this and just go, I'm gonna get it. Are there stuff all around you? Maybe you've got sickness. Maybe you've got pain and suffering. 
and those things overwhelm me to the point where you just go, I can't. Then step over this side and go, I can't. Because he can. And he has in the cross. Amen? So my question to you is this. What is your hope in? Is it in our understanding of hope, that implicit doubt like, oh, maybe I'll get to heaven, maybe I'll do it, maybe I'm good enough, that's religion. Or do you have the biblical concept of hope? Oh, it's guaranteed. It's set in stone. It will not perish, spoil, or fade, kept for me in heaven, verse 4 and 5. Why? Because of him and his resurrection. So if you're on this side of hope where you're just like, this is what it is. It's not jumping through a bunch of hoops. It's not doing a bunch of stuff. It's not helping old ladies across the street, putting money in the tithe box. It's not that. It's this. I surrender and I trust you for life. I need life. And some of you think that this is about hey, I've got a bunch of bad stuff. I want to become good, so let me read this. You better realize this. This is about dead people coming alive. And that's the hope and the glory in the resurrection. Amen? Amen. Let me pray, and we're going to worship and rejoice about this life we have. So let's pray. And let me ask this as you guys are praying. Close your eyes, and I just want you to just think. Truly, what is my hope in? Is my hope in these things that I kind of doubt, like, oh, maybe they'll happen? Is your hope for salvation in yourself? Thinking, oh, I'm going to do it, I'm going to dress nice, I'm going to be nice, I'm going to be a good Christian person, and that will get me? If that's the case, you will lose. What is your hope in? If you want life, if you are tired of saying, I'm tired of doing this on my own, I need life. I want that type of hope. All I want you to do is just put up your hand quick so I can see it. I may not even know your name, but I'm going to be praying for you. Just put it up so I can see that I can be praying for you. Saying, I want that kind of hope. I want that kind of life. I'm tired of it. I need Jesus for real. I'm done. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you. We praise you. We we stop everything. We halt. We arrest ourselves so we can just say glory to God in the highest. You are alive. We do not serve a king who died and is buried, but you rose from the dead on the third day according to the scriptures, and you live in our hearts. Wow, praise God. Thank you for this hope that we have that will never perish, spoil, or fade, kept for us in heaven. And it's all because of your great work on the cross and rising from the dead. And out of that, it says in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, we have new life, and we thank you for this new life that we have in you. May our lips, may our hands, may our feet, may all that we do the rest of this week, the rest of our lives, every moment we have, every breath we take, glorify you because of the resurrection of Jesus. This is Easter. And we celebrate you in the name of Jesus. We glorify you in the name of Jesus. Amen.